everyone. Welcome to the Funnel, an e-commerce podcast. Each episode, we interview e-commerce experts to discuss the latest trends and topics that matter most to the pros in the industry. I'm Shannon Keneally, content writer at Blue Acorn. I'm Casey Long, client success manager at Blue Acorn. Today, we have with us Chris Guerra, chief marketing officer at Blue Acorn. And today, we're going to talk about how to prepare for an e-commerce replatform. Hey, Chris. Hello, hello. You are a get, sir. Did you know that? You're an e-commerce <laughs> podcast So get. I've heard I'm flattered. I'm you honored are. to be here. <laughs> we, had to, uh, we had to go through your people. Um, not really. You're, you're, my, you're both our bosses. So. We have limited yeah. time. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> no choice. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start with what's a good reason to change your e-commerce platform? Well, there's a few good reasons. I think that... One of the ways that I look at it and one of the things that we hear from brands when they're looking to replatform is they say that I can't or we can't. So probably the number one reason to change e-commerce platforms is if you catch your team uh, saying that frequently. Um, so that could be I can't change this on the site or I can't add this feature or we don't have the ability to do XYZ. So I would say that's probably the number one uh, reason that we see folks looking to change platforms, but I think it's also a matter of what your growth trajectory is. Um, and so we find that a good reason to change your e-commerce platform really comes down to uh, scale. And that breaks into how much revenue you plan on doing over the next three to five years, but also what sort of complexities or innovation do you want to be introducing on the site? Yeah, that makes sense. So it's also, so it's like, I imagine it's Part of it's like the e-com team not being able to meet their existing vision and then also a forward-looking kind of how are we going to scale? Is our product line going to change drastically? Back-end delivery, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. What do you see? So if I'm, I'm an e-com director, I've decided to replatform from X, Y, or Z platform to ABC platform. I mean, what's the, uh, what's the common traps to fall into, things to be aware of, pitfalls, that sort of thing? I think probably the number one trap that I see brands making is that e-commerce for platforms are hard. And I think everyone thinks it's cupcakes and rainbows. It's going to be a fun journey. We're going to have a beautiful site that's going to work perfectly after launch. And the reality it is, but the journey to get there is hard. Yeah. So I think that when we look at the folks that we're working with, e-commerce managers, directors, VPs, the reality is, in many cases, they're the ones managing the replatform. And they have a full-time job to begin with. Yeah. So most bosses say, hey, P.S., we want you to manage this implementation and don't necessarily realize how much time is going to be needed from them. Um, and so we find that one of the traps is just being cognizant of how much time a replatform takes from the brand side and being able to uh, allocate time towards that. Um, I say the other, I'd say the other trap really relates to data. Um, so we find yeah. that if an implementation is going to be late, it's usually related to data, um, specifically around systems integrations. And so I think that that knowing that that's a trap, it's important for a brand to make sure that they start early. I mean, you can never start the data cleanup process early enough. So I'd say those are probably the 
the two common traps that I see the most. Yeah, I mean, I know we've, here at Blue Acorn, we've run into an implementation or two where just a matter of like who the owner is of a tertiary system that's going to plug into the e-com platform is mm. is a problem that needs to be solved or, or something that at the very least is on shaky ground. Like yeah. well, we have this ERP or we have this back-end system. Mm. Um, some guy set it up 10 years ago and he's since long gone and somebody else manages it now and they kind of know the data, but yeah. not to a degree where they can understand like what the, what it's going to inherit from the econ platform. So just that yeah. having that person, that's that holistic systematic view system, mm-hmm. the system. And, and like you said, knowing the data inside and out can be challenging. It seems like. Yeah. And I think that, uh, as you were talking, I thought of three more traps. Okay. <laughs> for better, or for worse. I've been through about a hundred of these replatforms. Had a full head of hair before them. Yeah. No, I do not. <laughs> um, but I would say the some of the other traps that that I see is uh, on the UX front. I think that chances are, if you're operating an e-commerce site today, there are things that are working well on the site. Yeah. And what we find when we enter into a UX workshop or a redesign is that the Everybody's natural intuition is to get in a room and create something completely, totally different. And while that's fun, in many cases, it's subjective. And so one of the traps that we see is just wanting to reinvent everything. And sometimes you lose things that were actually working well or that customers like. So I think it emphasizes the need to use data very early on, but also... Maybe looping your customers involved into the implementation and just understanding what features they're using, why they're using it, and what they like, so you can keep that intact. Yeah, I mean, we had Jared in here a while ago, um, and we talked to him about the uh, you know the best way to implement an optimization program, and that was one of the biggest things he was saying is like it, it needs to be on the front end of the dev funnel, not mm. the back end. The yeah. Afterthought of, after you've already conceived the you know, the, the end-all, be-all design. Like, no, you need to push it up in the process and understand it kind of ahead of time. Yeah. Right, and transparent across departments, not just yeah, right. the UX department, just the tech department, all of them. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a trap. And then I also think a trap is that it's it's exciting when you're doing a replatform and you want to add as many different features and functionality as possible. Um, and so in many cases you tend to catch feature bloat and people wanting yeah. to add so much different stuff that you're much better off starting lean and A-B testing into a lot of these features because you can introduce 10 new features, the site's performing better, but you have no idea which feature yeah. really produced that result right. and yeah. where to invest um, that time. And so I think it takes discipline in many ways to not do everything under the sun because it it's hard from a, a managing the implementation standpoint, mm-hmm. but also isolating which features are producing the best results. Yeah. Right. So at that point early on, you would determine, get with all the stakeholders, figure out what you want to prioritize, which you think will deliver the best results. Is that how? Yeah. And, and I think that it's starting to plan phase two. Mm-hmm. From the jump, from the beginning of the implementation process and mm-hmm. looking at here's all the things that we want to do and organizing them, level of effort, level of impact. Um, so don't go down a rabbit hole of building. If you don't have a, some fancy, highly custom product customizer, we were just using an example mm-hmm. today, 
maybe you're better off coming out with some like very lightweight version of it and then A-B testing until all the cool different variations of it versus coming out with coming out with a huge development effort. Yeah, yeah. Right. With like a big bang at the end. Yeah. We'll talk about, like, circling back to the idea of uh, the e-com manager having a full-time job. I mean, like, let's tease that apart. Uh, obviously, like, partners have project managers, success managers, and stuff like that. What's the the sort of cost benefit for a, um, a brand saying like, we're going to do this implementation. Maybe I bring on a consultant in house that works yeah. directly for me. That's not tied to the development company, but their sole job is the implementation. Can you like maybe tease that apart? Yeah, I think so. We've, we've experimented with a, cu- a couple implementations and primarily a couple that have had uh, really fast uh, timelines um, or that have had really complex custom systems where, a lot of decisions across departments need to be made. Um, and I think that there is value in many cases into bringing a third party into the mix to manage the implementation, specifically someone that's been through a few different implementations and can kind of see the minds in the field, um, if you will. So I think just the pure experience part uh, certainly helps, but it also is interesting because there's many different competing opinions within an organization. Marketing yeah. may want something, IT may want something, executive may want something, and it's nice to have someone that doesn't necessarily have a have someone doesn't have a preconceived notion of how something should work to Less come in and in challenge game. people. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah, um, and we found that it helps in many cases uh, for that, um, and I think that it's also something where. It's just good to have a true project manager because very few of our clients and brands out there have a dedicated project manager. And, and to be honest, in many cases, it doesn't make sense to have someone full-time being a project yeah, manager. Yeah. So you're better off renting a subject matter expert for that. Mm-hmm. Certainly, yeah. Plus then they can also act as the gatekeeper if they had an idea. They can say, well, this is what we've done in the past. This is what we've seen work versus just throwing something on the wall and seeing if it works out or not. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, too, like knitting together, like you said, all those different stakeholders' opinions and the kind of a, I don't know, an unbiased sort of, like marketing wants this solution or, or branding wants this kind of um, visual on the front end, but that costs X and like the e-com guy, you guys don't think that it's necessary to drive conversion. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? Yeah. They can kind of do the A-B comparison in-house before you even tell the partner, like execute this. Yeah, sort of thing. for sure. Yeah. I think that it's something where a lot of times if you're speaking to someone about, and integration, if you talk to the technical team, they're always going to want something really slick, something real-time, integrating every possible data point possible. But is that needed? And it may be, but it may not be. And so it's mm-hmm. good to have someone challenging, challenging them of why they would. So if you want to do a real-time integration, for example, what's the benefit to the customer versus potential performance impacts? And so I think it's good to kind of have someone to balance that out. Well, walk us through, Chris, what you, you didn't think. You like, for my third one. Your third. Uh, I, had, I had my. Oh, right. My, no, exactly. Only, that, was a te- oh, that was a test. We're four of five pitfalls. So, yes. sorry. Give us the thing. <laughs> well, you better be good, though. I mean, well, that's the, kind of a, kind of so a build up now. The third trap is <laughs> rebuilding what you third have today. Third of the second three. Fifth overall. Yes. Because you gave us overall. two. And yes. Then, yeah. Exactly. 
The third would be building what you have today. So I think one of the challenges is that when you're in a replatforming process, and even even Blue Acorn, as great as we are, it's a, it's a trap that we can fall into too. It's mm-hmm. that when you're going through discovery and you're saying, how do you want this to work? It's very easy to say how you do it today. Yeah. Right. Not how you want to do it tomorrow. So, for example, a loyalty program or a live chat feature or whatever it may be, your natural intuition is when, when an agency is saying, what feature do you want? It's what does, it's saying what you have today or how do you want it to work and you just say how it works today versus mm-hmm, what's... Mm-hmm. We see it a lot with business processes. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when people are saying, we need the integration to work like this, and we ask why, and it's that if the answer is typically that's because that's how we do it today. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, we let's do a lift and shift first, and then we'll improve mm. it down the road. And which goes back to yeah. potentially having a third party as a project manager. It's that person can be the one saying, "Well, why are you doing that today?" Yeah, right. And exactly. Is there an opportunity to build build something better. Yeah, that makes total sense. So cut to. Um, do you want one more? No. I don't have any more. Good, because okay. five is our limit of pitfalls. Okay. That's a show policy. That's a good number. So, um, yeah, we'll have to have you for a second episode. Mm-hmm. Um, if we've gotten, we've thought through this, we're the, we're the brand, right? We've got our project manager, we've decided on a platform, we've picked a partner, you know, what's the spin-up look like? And you're like, you know, if you had the perfect, design the perfect client, um, what does it look like and how do you prepare? Hmm. So I think the the perfect client, there's a lot of different flavors of, of a perfect client, but I think that when we look at the attributes for success, I think it's important to have one primary contact that is the final call on decisions. Because yeah. inevitably there will, be, there will be debates between IT and marketing and potentially mm-hmm. our team. Yeah. Um, and so it's really good to have one person that we can always go to for approval on a, a given feature. Um, on the flip side, I think it's also good to have one person that is controlling requests and feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's something where in the design process, it's always challenging because we get a, and it's great, we get a lot of opinions, but which, and there can be conflicting opinions. Yeah, so somebody's going to be the arbiter. Which opinion. Yeah do we roll with? And so I think that in preparing for an implementation and looking at who needs to be involved and what that process looks like, I think it's important to not only look at roles involved throughout the implementation, but who's going to make those critical decisions during discovery, during design, during development, during go live. Makes sense. So post-launch, what's the best way to evaluate the success of a replatform? Yeah, I think there's a, a few ways to look at it. I think that, one, it's really important for brands to understand that when you're going live, there is always an initial dip in traffic. Um, and search and optimization is something that's near and dear to our heart, and we've come up with pre-go-live, go-live, post-go-live checklist. And I think it's important to set expectations within a brand that there is going to be an initial dip for the first 
couple weeks. So I think yeah. that's mm-hmm. kind of a side a side note or an asterisk, but I think it's important in terms of managing expectations. I think when you look at the success of a replatform, I think that there's two ways to look at it. I think ultimately it's revenue. Um, and so when we look at revenue, the way that we don't necessarily just look at improving conversion rate or average order value. We try and focus on revenue per visitor. Um, and that's kind of the metric that we use because we could easily be improving conversion rate, but maybe we're getting people through checkout so fast that it's lowering average order value and they're not adding on a product uh, at the last minute. And you could even see it vice versa of adding such a big cart that you say, oh, maybe I'm going to come back later or um, revisit it. So we like using that blended metric of revenue per visitor, but I think it's also important to measure the ease or the how you've been able to make business processes for your team easier. Yeah. Um, so we always focus on the consumer, which consumers first, but are you saving time from your IT team? Are you saving time from your e-commerce manager? And I think that it's very important to measure those after the launch. And I think more importantly is understand and set some goals early on in the implementation that we want to save Judy 30 time, thirty minutes a day in managing content. Um, yeah. So I would say yeah. it's twofold. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that one's a little harder for people to wrap their head yeah. around. But right. uh, it is. Yeah, it's certainly important. Do you ever recommend like a certain amount of time for someone to wait and say like, see how your revenue is going then at three months or four months we'll measure the success or is it kind of just dependent on i know internally we do like one two and four week reports um after launch um but we're constantly measuring metrics on a daily weekly basis um i would say that we tend to formalize reports on a monthly basis um and then on a quarterly basis look at look at the aggregate metrics okay before we uh wrap up chris is there anything else you'd like to mention yeah, so I think that when you're going through the replatforming process, chances are it's going to be a major upgrade over your current system. Um, and one of the great parts about some of the mainstream e-commerce platforms is that there's a ton of features and functionality. And a lot of companies we see are only using a fraction of those features and functionality. And so uh, regardless of the, the agency or platform that you work with, I think it's really, really important to see lots of demos and to potentially even look at some of the education courses or YouTube videos or user guides uh, that are out there. Um, Because in many cases, you may be asking to custom develop a feature, um, but maybe it's native. Or maybe there's a native feature that you can repurpose uh, in a creative way. Um, And so I think that platforms are only as powerful as the users behind them. So take the time to learn the platforms and to work with your agency on how to make the best of it. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Chris. Uh, for those of you listening, you can find our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. Feel free to check out blueacornici.com. Until next time. Bye.